ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to the That's What She Said podcast. My name is Alexa Dat. I'm here with my producer, Kyle. Say hi, Kyle. Hi, Kyle. Kyle is going to be joining us, helping me a little bit on the ones and twos. You know how to DJ, right, Kyle? Not at all. Okay, great. Um, and this is going to be a fun experiment, so thank you for joining us. If you are a fan of podcasts or sports or me or Kyle, uh, follow us on Twitter at Dats Podcast, or you can subscribe to us on iTunes or YouTube at Dats What She Said Podcast. So it's going to be really fun. We're going to do some really cool stuff today. We're going to talk about Kobe Bryant retiring. We're going to talk a little bit about the NFC East, uh, the AFC South, get into a little football talk, and then our buddy Matt Camp will be here from Bleacher Report and Sirius XM. So looking forward to all that. Um... But first, I want to start off with Kobe, because I am one of the biggest Kobe Bryant fans, and for me, it was really hard to listen to the media talk about Kobe in such a negative way. And listen, I know he didn't start off the season well. I know, you know, watching him miss shot after shot, air ball after air ball was really difficult, but he's been in the league for 20 years, and that longevity wears on you eventually. Um, so it was, it was really hard for me to hear that he was retiring, but I was also more, more than heartbroken about his retirement. I was more heartbroken about the media's reaction and everyone dealing with the fact that, you know, he's, he's retiring and that's who he is. He's Kobe. He's going to be a different kind of guy. So I want to read you real quick the um, poem poem, quote-unquote, that he wrote for the Players' Tribune. Now, I've done work for the Players' Tribune, and I know how they operate, and they do a little bit of editing. So it's not just Kobe's voice. He didn't write this word for word. He had a little bit of help, but the sentiment is still there. So uh, bear with me. He writes, Dear Basketball, From the moment I started rolling my dad's tube socks and shooting imaginary game-winning shots in the great Western Forum, I knew one thing was real. I fell in love with you. A love so deep, I gave you my all, from my mind and body to my spirit and soul. As a six-year-old boy deeply in love with you, I never saw the end of the tunnel. I only saw myself running out of one. And so I ran. I ran up and down every court after every loose ball for you. You asked for my hustle, I gave you my heart, because it came with so much more. I played through the sweat and hurt, not because challenge called me, but because you called me. I did everything for you because that's what you do when someone makes you feel as alive as you've made me feel. I'm getting choked up. This is really uh, this is really a powerful moment for Kobe. You gave a six-year-old boy his Laker dream, and I'll always love you for it. But I can't love you obsessively for much longer. This season is all I have left to give. My heart can take the pounding. My mind can handle the grind, but my body knows it's time to say goodbye. And that's okay. I'm ready to let you go. I want you to know now so we both can savor every moment we have left together, the good and the bad. We have given each other all that we have. And we both know no matter what I do next, I'll always be that kid with the rolled up socks, garbage can in the corner, five seconds on the clock, ball in my hand, five, four, three, two. Love you always, Kobe. It's a nice farewell. It's a nice farewell. And so while I was reading this, it really made me understand why he decided to do this now, right? He didn't start off the season that well. And every time he's meeting with the press before he goes into these big matchups with these other teams, he's talking about 
why he didn't play well the night before. He's talking about going one for 11 and what he can do to improve his shot. He's talking about how many minutes he's going to play that night. And he was just sick of it. And he realized that his body didn't have any more to give. And so he decided to start his farewell tour. Now, it's been really interesting to listen to people compare Kobe's potential farewell tour. I mean, we don't really know what it's going to be. We saw what it was last night in Philly um, when he played the Sixers and gave them their first win. But there was a little bit of a farewell moment beforehand because he's from Philly. He beat the Sixers in the 2001 NBA championships. He's had a lot of history there. You know, he went went to high school there and played for Lower Marion. So a lot of emotions came you know, to the forefront last night. And a lot of people were speculating whether this is going to be a thing for Kobe going forward. And I think it is. And I really, I'm excited for him to relish in the opportunity to be able to say farewell to the game in so many of these different cities against a lot of these teams that he has a lot of history for. I don't want to say it's going to be like Jeter's farewell. I I almost, Jeter's was so over the top. And after a while, the the Nike respect commercial, just all, it it got so much. I like the way the Mets handled Jeter's farewell. The, they have like that intra-city rivalry, even though the Mets haven't been very good for a long time versus the Yankees. And they just started to, but they acknowledged what Jeter did and they said goodbye. I, I like everyone acknowledging, but some of the gifts were just over the top, just too much. I don't want to see Kobe necessarily get that everywhere and i like that he just did you know he knew he was done i think he probably knew at the beginning of the season that he should have been like "Eh, maybe i'm done now but he decided to keep playing for one more year seeing out his contract he's old he's 37 years old he's old that's that's a long time to be on the hardwood he's old but okay so let's take a look at some of the teams that he's going to go visit on this farewell tour start with the spurs okay You think Greg Popovich and Tim Duncan and Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili are going to let Kobe get away with going to play at the Spurs and not send him off with any sort of farewell? One of the greatest players that they've seen in the last 10 years. Yeah, they'll they'll say goodbye. They'll They'll have a little thing, but he's terrorized this league for a long time. Like, the Lakers were really dominant, just unbelievable. And he just tore all these courts apart. And I like that, you know, some of these guys, especially, like you said, Popovich, they're going to say goodbye because they respect how long he's done it and what level he played at for so long. Well, okay, so let's go down the list a little bit more. The Thunder. Kevin Durant has already been very outspoken about how the media has handled Kobe and his farewell announcement. There's no way that Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant aren't going to have some sort of something for Kobe. So we're just going to get Jeter farewell basketball version. Like, that's what you're saying we're going to get right now. Yeah. When he goes to Chicago, when he goes to play the Hornets even, you don't think Michael Jordan is going to have something to do with giving some sort of an award or memorabilia or a plaque for Kobe on the court? I, I mean, How about LeBron? They're, How they're about gonna, when he goes to Cleveland and LeBron looks at him and says, this is the last time I'm ever playing against Kobe Bryant? You're asking me if they're all going to do this. Yeah, they're all going to say goodbye each time. When it's his last time at each of these arenas, yes, they're going to have their goodbyes. He did it prior to the Knicks doing it. I wanted to see what the Knicks might have done because he's had many, many high-scoring games at the Garden. But we're not going to get to see that. And I think all these arenas are going to do something special from the organizations to say, hey, goodbye, You know, thanks for destroying us for so long glad we won't have to see you rain threes on us anymore but it, after, with jeters it just got too much some of these gifts were absurd there was so much going on i liked you know like i said i liked the mets i liked that they donated to his charity they were like you know the they gave him the value of twos to his charity and everything that was nice but then you got 
teams in Texas are handing out like cowboy boots yeah, and all, I like that. all these I crazy the things that he got a chair made out of just it was a surfboard. It was all it was all a bit it got to be a bit much. I like acknowledging it saying goodbye, but I hope we don't get the grand spectacle of let's all give you crazy things that you don't necessarily need and are going to collect dust in your mansion. Well, I think basketball is a little bit cooler than baseball, so well, they're going to find yeah, so they're going to find a cooler way to do it. They might give him cool signed shoes. They might give him you know a, an interesting way to give him some sort of gear. I think it'll be it won't be this grandiose presentation you know on the field where you have to get all these people together. It might just be like a hey, a couple of minutes before the game on the court, but. Uh, my biggest one that he's going to go to, and it's going to be a huge celebration, is Boston, which... So I've never seen Kobe play in person, which is a travesty because I'm such a big Kobe fan. But tickets are outrageous, and you know, chasing him across the country is a little bit difficult. But I'm going to go to, hopefully, um, working on tickets to go see him for his last game at the, uh, at the TD Garden. None of the guys. The are, none of the guys are there. Like the big three from Boston aren't there anymore, though. Like it's kind of that's kind of sad in that when it was Kobe and the Lakers, and it was Kobe and the Lakers versus Boston, it was the big three of Boston, and there none of them are there anymore. Well, that's what makes Kobe so interesting and so important in this decade is that with all these athletes hopping around to all these different organizations, Kobe stayed a Laker he forever. He is a Laker for life. He, he also had Phil Jackson for a very long time sure. with a really great team around him. Yeah, so there was really no incentive for him to leave because he was winning. And yeah, at the t- and it was kind of, you know, the Lakers have sort of fallen off a bit. But Well, Kobe could have called it quits when Phil Jackson left. He could have, but he wanted to keep playing. And That's you have right. to respect that. Yeah. So it's just going to be really interesting. Hopefully I get up there um, to Boston to see that because that would be a really memorable situation for me. I saw Jeter's last game at Fenway, and that was a mind-blowing experience. His last at-bat, everyone freaked out. Hearing Derek Jeter's name chanted at Fenway was one of my favorite things. So... Um, I'm really going to miss Kobe. This won't be the last time we talk about him on this podcast, but um, I'm really happy for him, and I'm happy that guys are standing up for him and rooting for him and expressing their their love for Kobe. All right. Sticking with basketball? Yeah, sticking with basketball. Let's talk a little bit about the Golden State Warriors. The undefeated Golden State Warriors. Yeah. I think they're going to lose. When? I think it's coming on this road trip. Against who? They're not playing very, very good teams. Okay. They but- are playing away from home. I get that. But away from home is an understatement when it comes to a seven-game road trip in the NBA. That is a long road trip. The Warriors score a lot of points. The Warriors score a lot of points. Like a lot. Yeah, and when they come against teams who score a lot of points or when they don't play defense, like the Utah Jazz, who they almost lost to, I mean, that, that's a cause for concern. I think that's an issue for them, for sure. I mean, they're going to lose at some point. It's a long season, but they're not playing very good teams coming up. They, they could win these next seven games. I'm not saying they're going to, and I kind of agree that they're going to lose at some point. I just want to know who you think they're going to lose to. I mean, I think it I think it could be a team that they've played closely only because if that team could figure them out up till that point, there's a good chance that they end up, you know, working it out and getting it. So you're saying they're going to lose in Utah then because of how close that game was? That's my guesstimate. If I had to guess, that would be my situation. So... I know a few weeks ago, you and I spoke, not on this podcast, but just, you know, in general. If you were building a team right now, every team gets blown up, you're a GM, you have the first pick. Who are you taking, LeBron or Curry? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, (laughs) LeBron's been in the league for a long time. A long, long time. We love talking about LeBron and comparing him to MJ and saying because his legacy isn't over yet that we can't compare those stats yet, but... In my mind, you can definitely start to compare him to MJ 
right now because he's been in the league for, what, a decade? That's a really long time. And like we've seen from guys who have retired, and I mean, I keep going back to Kobe, but he's the golden example right now. He's been in the league for 20 years, and the last couple years haven't been good. He's been injury prone and tore his Achilles. His shoulder was bad. Uh, These guys don't last as long anymore, and LeBron's a big guy. So if I'm saying, who's the difference between, who am I going to start a franchise with, Curry or LeBron? I'm probably going to go with Curry right now. Only because of what he's doing with the Golden State Warriors. That was an incredibly long way for you to say you were going with Curry. Yeah, well, that's how I feel. When we had this discussion, well, I, since you know a lot about basketball, I let's don't hear what know you have to say, a Kyle. lot about basketball. <laughs> I like basketball, but I don't know a lot about it. When okay, we ha- well, if you have, when we you had at least know the difference between LeBron and Curry. Yes, when we had yeah. this discussion, I said LeBron. I'm sort of swaying towards Curry in. Just right now, what he's doing is absurd. Yeah, the way he's playing is out of his mind. They're, I mean, they're undefeated. He's carrying this team, making everyone around him better. That's kind of rare in this league. I still might lead towards LeBron, even if you say for the next five years you get really good LeBron. He's still pretty much bad. Like the way he plays, he plays hard, and he he's playing both ways, offense and defense. He's a big guy who is not afraid of just charging down the court and slamming one home and doing what he has to to win the game. The interesting thing is that LeBron won back-to-back championships, right? So if Curry can pull that off, then we have a completely different argument because you're talking about a way younger guy with a lot more upside who also has two rings. Okay, if Curry wins the cha- if the Warriors win the championship this year again, which would be back-to-back, then I'll probably sway towards Curry. But right now I'm still LeBron. Please That's come fair. to the Knicks, LeBron. That would be so great. He's not, and neither is yeah, Kevin Durant. So all Thank of you. you Knicks fans, I don't want to hear any more about Kevin Durant. It's over. Um, All right, before we sit down with Matt Camp, let's talk a little bit about the Giants Redskins. Because guess what? The Redskins won (sighs) and you're a Giants fan, so suck it, Kyle. I'm I'm not happy with any of that game. I mean, other than Odell making another ridiculous catch. It By the was, way, where was your team for the first three quarters? That's a question I've been asking. Uh, my TV wouldn't answer me back as I was screaming at it during the entire game. Jesus. Um, you've got to be a little bit worried, though, that you couldn't... So you could have been up 40 points before the fourth quarter. That's how you guys did not close the door at all. And in that fourth quarter, the Giants started mounting one of their Giants improbable comebacks. It almost looked like it might happen, but then we... They didn't do it. So you've got to be slightly worried. Um, Not really, because that's what the Redskins do. We don't have a great offensive force. Um, And, I mean, Kirk Cousins has gone on this crazy Kirk Cousins streak. Like, he's the man. and But he's not really. If you look at his stats, meh, he's average. And I don't, I don't blame that game on Eli. I know he had his stats say he probably didn't have a great game. Those first two picks in no way shape or form are they his fault. That's a receiver getting the ball in their hands and Those then just so, throwing it. Those are such it. Eli picks. Yeah, but that's they're not bad picks. Like he's done mm. that a lot where he throws a ball, a wide receiver gets it in his hands, has his hands wrapped around it and then just decides, "You know what? I don't want this anymore. It's up in the air. You guys take it." That happened twice. Those are not Eli I threw it super deep and hoped for the best, and then a corner just jumped in and stole it picks. They yeah. were in a receiver's hands. Dwayne yeah. Harris has to make that catch. I know he got hit hard, but you got to hold on to that ball. Yeah. Well, the Redskins do a really good job of having a mediocre quarterback, a good defense, and a good running game, and somehow winning games. And that's been their formula for their entire franchise, and that's kind of what they're sticking to now. You don't need to trade away—hey, guess what, Dan Snyder? You don't need to trade away the entire franchise for a quarterback. 
because all you need is a mediocre guy who just can get the job done. That's all we need. We're going to talk more about this with Matt Camp uh, in just a minute. Well, hey, Matt Camp. Matt Camp is here joining the That's What She Said podcast. And Matt is from Bleacher Report and SiriusXM. Any other accolades you want to add to your resume? You can follow me on Twitter at the Matt Camp. I'm sorry that sounds like such a terrible name, <laughs> but the guy who's got Matt Camp hasn't tweeted in seven years and won't give it up. So that's why I have the in front of my name. Did you try and get it? Oh, I tried. Twitter said no. I said, I, I, I use this. I have lots of followers. I, that's a terrible humble brag, but... Can I have this back? This guy's tweeted 11 times since 2008, and that's the last time he tweeted. Couldn't get it. Have so, you ever tried to contact him directly yeah. and brag? Oh, yeah, I tweeted to him. People, but him. people will tweet that. They use that in the handle. They don't think of Matt, and they, and they just put it out there. Yeah. And that guy hasn't responded to anyone. So he's literally been off Twitter for seven years. He's like in his mom's basement doing nothing. I, I guess. Or he just went out in the world and got rid of Twitter, like a lot of smart people should probably do, I guess. I, I don't know, because I, I understand why he'd want to avoid it. Maybe he just got a bad experience in 2008 when no one was on it or nobody was tweeting him. Is his real name Matt Camp? Do you know that? I guess. There's some Matt Campbell. There's like three or four Matt Camps, and don't Google that because you'll find some interesting things out there. (laughs) Not from me, but there are some interesting Matt Camps out there. There was like a former second baseman played with the Cubs. There's an artist. There's a guy that does some other stuff that I. That's why I'm saying don't Google it, especially if you're at work. So you're uh, the least successful Matt Camp. Is that what you're basically, saying? Basically, yes. <laughs> I couldn't get the own, my own Twitter account, so yes, it feels like that right now. All right, um, let's talk a little bit about the NFL. We were just talking about the NFC East, which is everyone's favorite division to um, talk laugh at, shit about. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> Giants and Redskins, woo, are tied atop the division. Uh, what is your prediction in terms of who wins this division? Uh, I, I picked the Eagles at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Sam Bradford hasn't worked out. Chip Kelly hasn't worked out. Uh, they should not be running him out of Philadelphia. They forgot that he won 20 games over the last two years with Nick Foles, Michael Vick, and uh, who's other crappy? Oh, Mark Sanchez. They're the crappy <laughs> quarterback that. So they're, 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 they're trying to run Chip out of Philadelphia, which is a bad idea. Unfortunately, I think they've buried themselves too deep, just like the Cow- Cowboys have buried themselves too deep without Romo. I'm still leaning towards the Giants because yeah. I'm going to go with the best quarterback in the bad division. That's still Eli. But the fact that the Redskins are back in it is just more of an indictment of the Giants, I think, than anything else. But the thing is, the Giants have no receivers besides Odell Beckham Jr. Right. And, the Redskins, and the Redskins shut him down. What year is this, Hakeem Nix? Hakeem Nix. That should tell you something about the Giants, that they had to go bring back Hakeem Nix. And then there was this whole, they met each other, Beckham. Oh, I'm the great guy now. Oh, I used to be the great guy. And they measured hands. That was like their, their icebreaker. Awkward. It's real weird, yeah. especially when the guy who's like the man now is like, oh, that, that guy. Well, that's, that's the kind of chemistry you want from your receiving <laughs> core, right, going into the playoffs. They just need chemistry with Eli. They don't need chemistry with each Can other. Can they run the ball with, no. you know, no. one running no. back, not four? Because that, that's a problem for me. Tom Coughlin gets all these accolades, and he deserves them, I, I guess, for winning two Super Bowls. Yeah. But they've got Orleans Darkwatt and Rashad Jennings and Andre Williams and Shane Vereen. Can they stick to one guy? Now, this is from a fantasy perspective, just driving us nuts. Yeah. Tom, Tom Coughlin's like one of the fantasy public enemies because he won't stick to one running back. He won't even stick to two. He won't stick to three. He's got to run four out there. And if you've noticed, it hasn't worked out. Right. They can't get a ground game going. So I'm not saying that the Giants are running away with this division. I, I said weeks ago, eight wins probably wins it. But if you're a huge fan of the running game, what about the Redskins running game? They're doing great with Matt. It would Ma- be great if Matt Jones could hang on to the football. That's a problem. He's a rookie, though. I, I Cut understand. him slack. Well, at least they go back to him. Whereas right. the Giants, if it's Tom Call for some of these other teams, some of these veteran coaches that know everything, oh, the rookie fumbled, we can't go to him anymore, even if he's their best player. At right. least the Redskins understand, we're a little low on talent overall. We don't have a great quarterback in Kirk Cousins. We need to stick with what works at running back. And, and, and Matt Jones has been good enough. He's been a little too up or down for me. Yeah, I don't think they've used Alfred Morris enough, or at least 
they haven't committed to him enough. Yeah. So it's maddening. I mean, I think we we all know this division is totally flawed from top to bottom. They're going to lose in the first round. Whoever they host against, they're going to lose in the first round. Yeah. I'm still leaning Giants because I'm going to trust Eli okay. more than any other quarterback. That is not a major endorsement. If the Redskins came out on top, that's great. Although that might ruin your franchise for years to come because they might hand Kirk Hudson a nice contract, which would be just foolish at this point in time. But he's done a good enough job. I give him credit. Okay, so you are saying the Giants. I will hold you to that when the Redskins win the Super Bowl. Hey, you tweeted <laughs> out a picture. Wait, 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 wait. From, from Redskins the Super Bowl? Oh, that's right. God. That's right. Now it's my role to rein you in just a little please, bit. Please. I oh, have to I'm be, kidding. I Get off your high I don't think you're kidding. You're a Giants fan. <laughs> I know, and I still believe well, we're going to win the Super you're Bowl. You're both having rough seasons. I mean, I think realistically... Hey, we're in first place. I don't, I'm not having a rough <laughs> so you're season. Just I'm a great time. You're just ruining your draft position <laughs> is really all time. that matters That's at right. this point in time. Yeah. Uh, it's an ugly division. We know that. I, I still think that if the Cowboys got Romo back earlier, they were the best team. Talent-wise, I think from top to bottom, they are the best team. Too late now. Matt Castle's going to just ruin them. All right, uh, let's talk about another terrible division. I'm a big fan of these terrible divisions because when you have these terrible matchups, like the Ravens-Browns Monday Night Football game, right? Everyone was talking about how this going to be such a terrible matchup that, you know, no one's on the field that you want to see. And then it ended up being a really good game. So for me, I love these bad divisions because I think that the fight to be the worst is actually the most intriguing. Yeah, it's, it's the battle of mediocrity in these divisions. Right, so let's talk about the AFC South. I was predicting a couple weeks ago that the Jaguars are going to take with, that division. I was with you. Are you? I was. I'm not, not anymore. Because Matt Hasselbeck, who is a hashtag winner, because that's what you have to call him that. When you win games, it doesn't matter how you do it. You're <laughs> automatically just a winner. That's Tim Tebow. That's Kirk Cousins. That's these, you know, uh, these guys get these labels. Oh, he's a winner. What does that mean? That yeah. means he, it's a team game. Yeah. Mark Sanchez is a very good record in the playoffs. Yeah. You're not running to put Mark Sanchez uh, on your team as a starting quarterback. Ask the Eagles about that. Ask the Jets about that. Yeah, they all know. The Jaguars, I thought with luck out, would have the best offense. And I still think they do. Now, Blake Bortles, we've talked about him for fantasy a lot. Uh, you and I have talked about him in a Bleacher Report, yeah. how good he has been this year. Now, better in fantasy than reality. What I'm interested about is is the offense has come around with Bortles, Allen Robinson, a superstar in year number two. Uh, they've run T.J. Yeldon probably not as much as they should near the goal line, which has been a problem. Yeah. Alan Hearns has been in and out. You know, he's been he's been injured a lot, concussion recently. Uh, Julius Thomas finally coming on. But Gus Bradley was brought in here to fix the defense. And yeah. the defense is still terrible. Yeah. And that's a big reason why the offense has had to pick things up because they're throwing a bunch. Bortles is throwing a bunch. He's getting that volume. But they've done volume. a good job of doing that. They've hung in there with the offense. It could get better, but Bortles has taken steps forward. The offense has taken steps forward. They've been useless for years. I mean, you're going back to Maurice Jones-Drew and then even further back than that when it was David Garrard and these guys, Byron, Byron oh Leftwich. David I mean, Garrard. That's how the last time you heard that Exactly. That's the Jets. That's right. He was a Jets. That's cool. He's got a great hat picture where he's wearing a fedora. I was using it as a Twitter uh, avatar once, but. <laughs> the Jaguars as a whole, I, I think they had their chance, but the fact that Matt Hasselbeck is keeping the Colts in this thing, yeah. they're still going to probably come out of this division. They've stayed on top, but you got to wonder when Luck comes back, can he get back to that level that we know he can play? We haven't seen it a lot this year. Also, I have to credit Bill O'Brien and the Houston Texans because people wanted to fire him early in the season after such a bad start. We saw him on Hard Knocks, 
And now they're on a tear here. He was great on Hard Knocks, by the way. He was an amazing example of what a coach should be, a great leader. My favorite part was when he called out the guys. Do you know who that guy is over there? Can you name that guy behind you? It was a different way. That wasn't X's and O's stuff. That was, we are a team, know your teammates. Yeah, of course. And and Hard Knocks tends to pump these guys up a little bit more. You get more excited. Now, Bill O'Brien did a great job going from the Patriots to Penn State, turned that job, turning it around, and all the turmoil they had into an NFL job. He did a nice job last year with four quarterbacks. They're doing more of the same this year with bad quarterback play, now going to TJ Yates. They're 6-5. and five. Their defense is coming around now. They're the scariest team in that division. I think they might be the most complete team in that division yeah. from top to bottom. They have an, an all-time wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. At least this year, he's taken that big jump forward. Now, they lost Arian Foster. They lost a quarterback. The fact that they're doing this without those guys. Yeah. That tells you a lot about what Bill O'Brien has done. Now, Brian Hoyer is coming back into the mix. We know that now. But they had quarterback turmoil. They lost their best running back. And they're hanging in this thing right now. Are you a J.J. Watt fan? I think he's a very, very good player. Yeah. MVP talk has always been overblown, J.J. Watt. Wow, you think so? It's not... No one changes the game that much. And when you bring up, oh, he catches the ball, that's random stuff. That yeah. They put him on the field because he's a decent athlete. And, and if anything, it drives us nuts for fantasy owners who want DeAndre Hopkins to get those touchdowns. <laughs> right. And you see him up there. He got a jump ball against the Jets and nearly jumped through the radio a couple weeks ago calling that one. What are you doing, Bill O'Brien? We don't need J.J. Watt to do everything. He's a great player. But as we've seen this season early on, he couldn't carry the team when yeah. they were having their struggles. So he's certainly a game changer, one of the best defensive players out there. Some call him the best defensive player, but he's not an MVP candidate to me because he can't score points. Okay. From worst to first, uh, Patriots in the AFC and the Pants, as Kyle likes to call them. I was talking he really fast. He likes to abbreviate the Panthers and call them Pants. I did it one time. I don't think time. that's appropriate or allowed. One uh, time. Panthers in the NFC. If they somehow make it to the Super Bowl, who wins? I'm still taking Tom Brady. I'm still taking Bill Belichick. Okay. I've been impressed by Carolina this year because I think they've gotten better as the season has gone on. The defense has been great all season long. They can run the ball. Jonathan Stewart, 20-plus carries a game, not getting hurt for once. That's nice to see. Carrying the offense. But their passing game has gotten better. Cam has gotten better as a passer this year than we've ever seen him before. Mm -hmm. And doing so with Greg Olson and who else? Because they lost Calvin Benjamin, a great receiver from last year. We haven't seen the rookie Devin Funches really step up. Philly Brown, Jericho Cotre. These are third and fourth options here. And yet they're still throwing the ball in camps, putting up the passing numbers. He is making something out of really nothing in the receiving core. That's been most impressive to me. I do question, though, if they go down big in a game. We've seen them come back here and there. Can, are they the kind of team that can come back against the Patriots team that we know can score? Yeah. And we saw them come back against Seattle, but Seattle doesn't have a great offense. The Patriots can put up numbers, and if they get Gronk back for the playoffs, they're definitely the, the favorites, and they're still in that conversation. I think there's only a couple contenders. I think New England and Carolina are in there. I throw Arizona in there. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati was in the mix How much do you trust Andy Dalton is the big question there. But I I do think it's New England clearly ahead of everybody in the AFC. Uh, And I I put Arizona ahead of Carolina myself. If you put those two teams together, if they play five times, I I think Arizona wins three of those, if not four of those games. So I still think the Patriots are the favorites, but they've come back to the pack a little bit because of the injury bug. Okay, speaking of the injury bug, though, when Gronk got hurt, 
How fascinating was it on Twitter when everyone retweeted the tweet? I guess that Sports Center had tweeted out in 2013. Did you pick pick up wind of this? Uh, I I saw it that he retore his MCL and his ACL and that he was out for the season, and it created a huge stir. I mean, major major publications and uh, reporters were retweeting this tweet as if it were the Bible. Like this is what happened to to Gronk, and they had him out for the season before he even left the X-ray room. When the, when it happened. When you saw the hit happen, you went, he's done. I, I tweeted out, can we retire the tight end position for the rest of the year? It, just, it felt just, very RG3 to me. It's exactly what happened to RG3 oh, to me. It kind of, kind it of looks swung like, backwards. Do you have Gronk on your team? I, I have him okay. on my team, yeah. and I, had, I, like, I almost started weeping. I had a meltdown. There, yeah. There's a little of that weirdness to me. Not not saying you're I, I mean, I'm, I'm weird. It's so weird it's right. that that's what people jump to, where a guy's career might be in jeopardy. It's my fantasy season's done. I no, mean, it, it is a bit selfish. but <laughs> It's very – when people tweet at him, or good job, or what'd you do there? You couldn't stay healthy for me for a couple more weeks. When it happened, though, and there's, there's the Twitter world for us. Someone retweets, and I know the account that I think it was the PFT commenter account retweeted the cow, the uh, Sports Center tweet from two years ago. Looked yeah. it up, yep. And enough people follow that account, and they they just see it on their timeline. They yep. don't look at the timestamp, they don't look where it came from, and boom, they're retweeting it out to everybody else. And then it's, oh wait, that was two years well, ago. Well, I turned to Peter and I said, Gronk's out for the season. Before, when I saw that tweet, right. and I said, and he's getting his, you know, all of his um, stuff in order for talking about it on the radio the next day, and he said, oh crap, that's got to be my number one story. We got to go into it. And then I was like, wait, hold on, rewind, back it up. That's not the case at all. In fact, we don't even know an update on the situation because he hasn't even been evaluated yet. Well, they're saying, and very interesting for the Patriots because Bill Belichick gives you nothing, nothing, nothing. The team that should have been the first red light, well, right? Exactly. Yeah. It, when the team and Gronk came out in the days after that, saying there's an actual statement, he's week to week, he's being evaluated. They never say that kind of stuff. You never get any kind of concrete information. They don't make a point to give you that because they don't have to. They have to mention on the injury report on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at practice. He practiced, he was limited, he was out. That's all they have to tell you. They came out with a statement, and I think that's out of respect to Gronk and how good he is. A couple of years back, there was questions when he would come back from the back stuff and the forearm stuff. So it sounds like he's week to week. If they get him back for the playoffs, they're definitely the favorites. But uh, I think it's good that he is not out because he's a good – for all the bad stuff in the NFL, for that guy, one of the best players, all accounts, he's a pretty good guy. He likes to have fun, but – He's a pretty good guy, charitable guy, and a great guy to watch in NFL. So you don't want to see him go down, even if you're a Patriots hater. And I know there's those people out there. Now, for fantasy owners, it, it's going to drive you nuts because he's been carrying te- – I know, I'm sorry. He's been carrying <laughs> teams for weeks. He's yeah. been the top player. So not only do you not have him for fantasy, but the Patriots don't either. Now they have to make up for that, and that could be tough in the coming weeks. All right, you said Gronk is fun to watch. So – do you, with his all his touchdown antics and his spiking the ball, do you think that that is the same vein as Cam Newton when he celebrates and when Travis Kelsey celebrates? Do you think this is all in good fun and we should allow this to happen and nobody should criticize it and we should just take it for what it is, everyone having a good time? As I said, there's enough bad stuff in the NFL going on than if this is what we're criticizing because it's so easy to just go, why is he dancing? Why? My only issue when you dance, you should be winning or the game should be close. Okay. If you're down three touchdowns, Hand the ball back. You what about the first down celebration? Are you against a that too? Much. I, I'm okay with it, yeah. but get in the end zone. Especially if you're losing. If no first the down losing celebration. thing, if you're losing, I never understood the celebration because I would just go scoreboard. Yeah. you're losing the game, and yeah. then it becomes then it becomes an individual thing. When Cam Newton scored and they're 12 and 0, that's okay. And he's handing the ball off to a kid, and that's the worst thing he's doing. 
we're, we're doing okay with Cam Newton. We're doing okay with Travis Kelsey, these guys. If they're expressing themselves and having fun for all, like I said, all the bad stuff, and there's there's been plenty of things that have put a black cloud over the NFL, both yeah. on and off the field. Yep. These are good things. These are guys celebrating when they're doing something right, and they're having fun, which is what I think why we all like sports and play sports, and it's still entertainment. This is not politics. This is not the end-all, be-all. If guys are going to have fun out there, let them have fun. Do you feel the same way about the NFL and MLB? Do you think baseball got players flipping oh. their bats and celebrating and doing their you antics? Mean the policing you and the right way to play and the, and the, the unwritten rules? How about Why is it okay... Or not okay to flip your back, but it's okay to then throw at a guy after. So you can exactly. go injure a guy. That's okay because a guy danced wrong or he stared for an extra second or he took the extra two seconds to get around the base. So violence is okay, but celebrating is not. Well, that's what Kyle said. He was uh, like, if I ever hit a home run, oh my God. I'm flipping my bat, I'm going crazy, running around the bases. And I was like, first of all, you're never going to hit a home okay, run. So well, we don't okay. really have don't to kill entertain his dream this conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, there's still time. I can still become a great athlete. Yeah, sure. uh-huh. If I was in this hypothetical world, yeah. a athlete playing baseball, Baseball, which I wouldn't, but if I was playing baseball and I hit one 450 feet out of the park, I'm doing the Batista bat flip. Yeah. I'm staring it down like Ortiz because you're hitting a little tiny ball with a big stick and you're, I crushed it. It's out of the park. I just maybe put my team up. Maybe we were down and I, you know, I, I did something to help my team and I did it against a good pitcher, right? I'm staring it down. I'm flipping my bat. I'm having a good time because I'm playing a game. You're going to have to stop me from moonwalking from third to home because I just did something. Ridiculous. I would love to see that, by the way, so him right. moonwalking. Yeah. yeah. Maybe when later. Batista did it in the playoffs, oh, it was a incredible. packed crowd at, at the Sky Dome, Rogers Center, whatever it's called now, you could not. He probably never had a bigger home run in his life than yeah. being in that in that moment. So yeah, throwing the bat. Who cares? I'm excited. I would be pumped. You don't get the people who criticize that that aren't on the field. It's never happened to them before. That's what I'm convinced. It's the sports writers that have been covering it forever and are curmudgeons. They've never done that. They've never had that moment. What's their big moment? Oh, I got a lot of clicks on my article today. Let me flip my pencil? I mean, I don't know what... What is their exciting moment? That'd be the moment. super nerdy way of doing it, right? The, what else would yeah. you do? How are you not supposed to just... Especially in that moment, right. too. The, like, when he did it, he hits that ball. Now they're winning. Like, it's this big, huge thing for him. Yeah, you should home, be allowed to celebrate. His that fans are going or, crazy. That's an organic yeah. reaction. It that's what it was. it was. In his head, he's not thinking, oh, how I'm going to celebrate. Just the whole thing. He hit it, he stared it down, and it was the most furious bat flip I've ever seen because they were struggling, and he just did something to well, motivate. Well, that's what sports it is, right? whole team pumped. Yeah. Right. And I hate that there are people who say, oh, if you do that, we get the right to throw it. To, thro- to, that to injure you. awful. I don't know. I kind of like that part. I, I oh. don't. I don't like the whole... That part's interesting to me. I like the bat flip. I like the celebration. And I liked to be able to you throw like the guys violence. afterwards. I don't, I don't like... Well, it's just part of the game. It shouldn't be it's part, a, it's a bad part of the game. It's a bad part of the game. It's a bad part It's revenge. It's what sports you know, is all you know, about. Revenge you know is not violence, revenge? though. Yeah, but it's not that violent if you it do it right. It can be. Unfortunately, guys get hit in the head. I don't yeah, trust but they, get, but they get hit in the head accidentally all the time, too. But that's, that's an accident. accident. If you are attempting to throw at someone, you are asking for trouble. And unfortunately, in the litigious world, litigation world that we live in, yeah. that's going to happen to the wrong person, and the wrong lawyer is going to see that and go, well, they tried to hit him. And then it's going to become yeah, this whole other thing. Yeah, but that guy would be thing. ousted out of baseball. There's no way that somebody who sues over getting hit People is going to People are suing be... over concussions. Why wouldn't that come into play? Because it's one of the unwritten rules. of ba- Baseball's like that. It's a very unwritten rule type sport. I'm just saying and if that- you don't participate in the unwritten rules, you don't get to participate in the sport. That's just It's a boys club. That's how it's always been. They need to fix that. Okay, yeah. moving on from uh, celebrations to Red Sox fans who should be celebrating should the fact that David Price signed a seven-year, $217 million contract. 
Uh, this guy has never won in the postseason, save coming out of the bullpen, which is embarrassing for a starting pitcher. If you're a Red Sox fan, you're obviously thrilled, but if are you're you, any other you? fan in the division, are you worried? I'm okay with that they spent all of that money. I mean, maybe it's a quickened return on your investment. I know yeah. we can opt out after, I think it's three years uh, at this point, yeah. which maybe would be the best thing to have. That'd be a nice problem to have, because that means he pitched well and wants to go make more money elsewhere, and, and the Red Sox would probably be happy with that. Uh, he was traded this year, then he signs this big deal. Obviously, didn't work for the Blue Jays, as you just talked about there. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Uh, I think we've learned that other than a handful of guys, these massive contracts, they don't, they never work out. They never pan out, especially these long-term deals. And I know he's a pitcher. And the other thing is, he doesn't play every day. So I, I never understood this. I guess it's the Red Sox saying, we have money to spend. We were terrible this year. We've had a lot of turnover. All right, let's start here with the ace. This is a guy that when we go out every five days, we expect to win and we're going to pay him to do so. But those expectations get ridiculously high, especially playing in Boston now, where now they're used to winning, or they've had recent wins. So I don't understand why you're paying this money. We've seen teams that don't spend this kind of money on big-name players continue to go back each and every year to the playoffs. Uh, so, And I know Boston's done it, spending money. The yeah. Dodgers have done it, spending money. The Yankees in the past have done it, spending money. But other teams don't, don't pay these guys. And I'm not a huge Cardinals fan. I'm a Mets fan. And yeah. The Cardinals drive us up, but they don't spend this kind of money, and, and they find ways to get it done. Now, is it Boston trading too many prospects away? Or are they impatient with these prospects, so they're going to go throw this money out there? Someone was going to pay David Price. Right. I just think that contract's not going to be worth it. Well, I think that's part of the argument, too, that somebody was going to pay him. So why not be the team that has money that's trying to get from worst to first in a division that they need starting pitching? Well, that would and better happen. All, and it's all about starting pitching. But it is. they also have younger guys who could uh, you know, produce offensively. they got Mookie Betts. They've got Xander Bogarts, I think, who's still there. You know, you've got these younger guys who you've seen flashes of recently. So they're kind of trying to start like a little bit of a Mets-slash-Royals philosophy of these young guys can carry you to the postseason. They're healthy, they're hungry, and if you've got the starting pitching to back it up, why not? I mean, I know they're not anywhere close to the Mets staff. I'm not trying to say that, but they're building towards that. And if they've got some young guys in the farm system that they feel are really good, they could pull those guys up. I mean, the Mets have done it with with guys like that too. If if they that's a big to me that's a big if with the money you're spending. And are yeah. you handcuffing yourself in the future if this does not work out? But who and, else do they spend that money on? Where else is that money? But I'm go? saying in future years, if yeah. they're trying to sign guys and, and they realize they need to get better at other spots, they need another pitcher. Uh, some of these guys might not work out. You're kind of handcuffing yourself here. I mean, look, he's a really good pitcher. I don't know if he's worth this big money. I think there are better pitchers out there that you now wonder when these guys come up. When you know Matt Harvey comes up in a couple of years, the Mets guys, as you mentioned, there's some of these young pitchers that are going to be coming up and looking for big deals. Yeah, where does th- what kind of precedent does this now set for better pitchers? Yeah, Zach so, Ranky. Uh, uh, Zach Ranky is certainly one of those. So guys how much money is he going to get? Let's think about that. He has been dominant all season. He was he came second in the Cy Young voting award. Where does where does he fit in terms of guys in the offseason who are going to get a huge paycheck? It sounds like it's down to the Dodgers and the Giants. Now, the Giants, we know, have won their championships basically based on their pitching staffs. And yeah. They've had great pitching staffs, and we've seen teams try to copy that model. I think the Mets are trying to do that now and put some bats around them. So I think he's going to get more because I think he's a better pitcher, and I think the Dodgers will be willing. There's another big market team that has spent a ton of money in recent years, whether it's through signing guys or uh, making the trades. They had those trades with the Red Sox a couple of years ago with Adrian Gonzalez and Carl Crawford. I think he's going to get the money. I think he's going to get more money yeah. because now he's going to point and go, I'm better than him. His agent's going to say I'm better than him. The proof's in the pudding, whether it's regular season or postseason. 
you can't make the argument against it. Now, the money's ridiculous. I don't knock guys for getting it. Go get it. Yeah. Set yourself up. Set your grandkids up. Set your, <laughs> your generations to come up. I never had a problem with guys getting paid. Yeah. But the market has now been set by a pitcher who's not as good. So I think Granky's going to get the big money. I would guess it goes to the Dodgers because they'll they'll be the ones that have no problem paying it. I think okay. the only things in that discussion going against Granky are that he's two years older than Price, right? And he's a righty, right? Now I Granky's better. He's a better pitcher. Well, he's That's way better. Fact. And I think he's a the more postseason. dominant pitcher. But yeah. he is two years older yep. than Price. Price is thirty. Granky's thirty-two. Righty, lefty. I think people tend to overpay a bit more for lefties because there's significantly less of them in the league. Maybe less years, more money though per year basis. I, I think could be the case there. Yeah, like a five year deal. Sure. Yeah. Which sense. I think would make more sense to a team, especially yeah. at that point in his career right. where he's two years in and he's pitched as much as he has. The, if they're both, when they're both 37, they'll both be making the same money roughly, but I think Greinke will have been better. And you're not tied to a seven-year deal. A five-year deal makes more sense. And, and, and who's making the adjustments later on in their career? We've seen Pedro Martinez do this. You know, Okay, I can't throw 99 anymore, but I'll strike you out with my other pitches. I can beat you between the ears instead of with 99-mile-per-hour fastballs. Can you adjust later on in your career? We've seen the best pitchers in the game be able to do that. Yeah. Can Price do that later on? That's yeah. what you wonder. Okay, well, since you're a fantasy guy, let's talk a little fantasy football. We're going to switch back to football. Kyle, you got some fantasy football questions for yeah, our I buddy mean, Matt I, Camp? I've got, I've got one off Twitter. Uh, NYRangers94life asks you, uh, I lost Gronk this what week. What a Twitter handle. I, I love these guys. I, I lost Gronk this week. Name in there. It's like your screen name when you had AIM. That's exactly what it felt like it's to me. It's so crazy. If you lost Gronk this week, who's a safer replacement? Julius Thomas or Scott Chandler? I guess in terms of absolutely dead safe, it, it, where you are... With your team. We are into week 13. This could be the last week or two before the playoffs begin. If you want to go absolutely positively safe, I'm not worried about uh, his quarterback. I'm not worried about the team. I guess you would say it is Scott Chandler if you want to be absolutely boring and safe. But I like Julius Thomas more because he's on a team that is throwing the ball more, that he did come through with a big game last week. He now plays the Titans this week. It's a tremendous matchup there. They've given up. Uh, they're a bottom five defense against fantasy tight ends. Alan Hearns on the Jaguars dealing with a concussion. So I look at the better player, and I would say Julius Thomas in terms of more upside. It really depends. I get a lot of these questions on Twitter, and I always ask people, are you a big underdog? You know, are you into the playoffs? You know, some people tell me, hey, I'm in. I have a first-round buy. I just need to be – I'm just trying to get somebody better for some upside in the back end of my roster. Or week 313, like we're in, I have to win. You know, what's going to get me the most points? And to me, that would be uh, a guy like Julius Thomas. But if you want to go safe, it's Chandler just because he's playing with Tom Brady. Now I'm going to take advantage of you being here. I have Please two do. personal fantasy football questions. For my one league, I have a flex dilemma. Frank Gore at Pittsburgh, Spencer Ware at Oakland, Stephon Diggs versus Seattle. Oh, that's no fun at all. <laughs> I, no, this is why it's a dilemma, and I'm asking the expert. Well, what I'd like to do is, if Spencer wears the guy this week, we know Sharkhandrick West dealing with the hamstring injury. We're still early in the week. If Sharkhandrick West is out, I think Ware is absolutely he had the answer. a great week last week. A very good one. How yeah. about the Chiefs sticking with the run? Yeah. Whether it's Ben Jamal Charles, then going to Sharkhandrick West, then Spencer Ware, who passed Niall Davis on the depth chart, all these guys are coming through because they're running the ball and they're sticking to running the football. So I'd like to go Spencer Ware if Sharkhandrick West is out. Frank Gore done, and it's not necessarily all just him. I think he's run out of gas. Chuck Pagano has talked about that, how he's running out of gas. Their O-line is terrible. They're not trying to run the ball nearly enough, and when they do, it's coming at an opportune time. So I'd rather just stay away from Frank Gore, and it's not like Pittsburgh's been terrible against the run anyway. Diggs would be two on the list against Seattle. Now, I'm not thrilled about that matchup, but Seattle has had some— They haven't looked great defensively. They've had some cracks in the armor. Now, I think it's been against— 
better teams. We've seen Cincinnati get to them. We've seen Arizona get to them. Pittsburgh, even though they lost that game, got to them. But even if you go to the game before Pittsburgh, Blaine Gabbert put up 260 yards against them. Blaine Gabbert, who was dead and buried in Jacksonville. My favorite quarterback right now. You like Blaine Gabbert? Yeah, I did. I I thought it was Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have low expectations (laughs) for quarterbacks. Blaine Gabbert and Kirk Cousins. You must have had a good week out of them. It's really sad. I did. I, I would like to go where if he's the guy. Yeah. If you have to fall back, I, I would say it's Diggs. And then my last question regards my keeper league, which I am now eliminated from the playoffs. I just realized. But that you're this thinking morning. down the road. I am. So I watched New England lose this week you to did. Brock Osweiler. Yes, what indeed. A game. The one behind Ooh. eleven and one. If you would ask me two weeks ago who's the backup for Peyton, I might have looked at you and said, "Is Kyle Orton still in the league?" I didn't know who Brock Osweiler was. I don't think anyone did. Is it worth picking him up and stashing him in my fantasy league as a late round keeper? Is this guy going to or or not? Or, Just, or who's the? Other, I mean, do you have another? Uh, is, is yeah, the I mean, I'm. It's Geo, Jeremy Hill. I guess are potential keepers for me. So, but they're higher up. I get Brock Osweiler later in the draft if he's a 13th or 14th round pick. For we me. don't know where Brock Osweiler's playing next year. That's number one. Do you think you don't think Denver's going to keep him around? Uh, free agent, so that that's part of it. I think that's why they're taking a look at him. Part of it. I also think he's the best option for them right now. I typically stay away from keeping any quarterbacks because okay. you can go find them. You can find, We've seen it with Brock Osweiler, Blake Bortles, Derek Carr yeah. this year. You can go find these guys. So I would typically shy away from that. I do have a quick Peyton Manning backup story. Okay, let's hear it. So I got another story question to ask you after okay. this, and then we'll... When You mentioned not knowing who the backup was to Peyton Manning. Yeah, I know I do. Most people don't know, haven't needed to... Who's needed to know that answer? Nobody. Hasn't mattered. Uh, story of a, of a commentator uh, for one of the big networks was covering the Colts on a Monday night game. For a Monday night game, he was at practice. And he went to the practice and he said uh, he watched practice and Peyton Manning took every snap. Typically, you see the backups get 15, maybe 20% of the snaps. And he said to the offense coordinator, he said, Coach, you didn't, you didn't give any snaps to Sorgi. He said, said to the commentator, he said, uh, well, if we don't have Peyton, we're effed. And we don't practice getting effed. And he just walked off the field. Wow, I like that. <laughs> Which makes sense. It because does. if you go from someone else other than this year to Peyton, from Peyton Manning to someone else, Jim Sorge or any of others, many backups, you're in trouble. But it also makes what Brock did even that much more impressive because he doesn't get any snaps in practice. I think they were prepare, preparing him a little bit more so. Right, I mean, now. In the, in but, the past but couple typically, weeks, but before no, that. No, 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 no. I mean, it's the not, Peyton show. Yeah. It's, it's always the Peyton show, and Peyton wants all those reps. There's a famous picture of Peyton last year when he was dealing with like ankle or quad issues. Yeah. And he is in the uh, tank. He's in there, they're, 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 you know, uh, a hot pot tub or whatever. And they show him with his iPad out looking at it. He's got his ankle in the, the the tub, and he's got his helmet on, and he's indoors. And this is literally so he could study the plays, get his treatment, and hear the play calls during practice all at the same time. Now, yeah. that's, that's a total different preparation than anyone else is doing. And yeah. I don't know if anybody quarterback's doing that, but that's what Peyton does. Yeah. Even when he wasn't on the practice field, he's getting that they call the mental reps in there. Yeah, it's like those Kobe stories that are coming out. I mean, that we've been reading about for years and years now, but people are more interested in now them because just a different level yeah just a different level all right um we like to wrap up every interview with an embarrassing story which are always fun it could be from your career it could be from your life whatever you decide um but i'm gonna go first to give you a little bit of time to think about it and because you're a mets fan i feel like this will hit home for you so i'm going down for spring training to do some sideline reporting for sny and before i go down i'm watching one of the games and matt reynolds hits a walk-off home run Perfect. This is going to be the story I'm going to talk to him about. I'm going to get some inside information. He's never hit a walk-off in his career before. It'll be, it'll be a great story. So when I get down there, 
What happens in the locker rooms, there are these tables in the middle the guys sit down for for lunch, and you can't talk to them while they're sitting there. You have to wait till they go to their locker. So I'm watching the guys, Matt Reynolds and a bunch of the guys are sitting around, and they finally get up and go to their locker, and I'm like, great, so now I can go talk to them. When I walk over to Matt Reynolds' locker, I'm like, hey, Matt, so I saw you hit that walk-off home run. I was really excited for you. I was excited to come down here. This is my first spring training. I wanted to talk to you about it. And can you tell me what you were feeling? Can you tell me what was going through your mind? Who was here? Who saw that? And the guy goes, I'm not Matt Reynolds. And I was like, okay, awesome. Cool. Thanks. And just walked away. Then about five minutes later, I go up to Matt Reynolds and I'm like, this time I'm totally sure. This time I'm totally sure. And so I figured out who I was talking to was Tyler Pill. And I walked up to Matt Reynolds and I was so embarrassed. And I said, dude, Matt, did Tyler tell you what I did? I totally got your name wrong and went on this whole story. And he just looks at me and goes, no. And I was like, okay, bye. Oh. <laughs> I'll see you later. <laughs> Good first day for you. Good day. Good first day. First day I get there. It's and now my... you'll never forget who Matt Reynolds That's is. That's right. That's right. Uh, you got any good stories? Anything embarrassing or so fun for us? So I collect jerseys. Now, I have uh, a jersey. I don't do this anymore because I'm old. Um, but... I collected NFL jerseys. Every single team, whether it was throwback ones, current ones, I wanted to have one from every team. I used to buy them on eBay for five bucks. I, I, had, I have three Keenan McCardell jerseys, if anybody knows who that is. Played at a famous uh, famous wide receiver for the Jaguars and the Chargers and the Buccaneers. Won a Super Bowl with the Buccaneers, in fact. He actually works with the Redskins. Yes, he does. Yeah, he I'm was very a, a coaching intern. He's bounced around. He's been at Maryland as well, I yeah. think. Yep, yep. Um, so I collect all these jerseys. Now, I will be 31 in a couple of months. So, unfortunately, at this point, most of the NFL players are younger than I am. So I had instituted this rule that I am not going to buy jerseys of players that are younger than me. Okay. Good rule. I think I thought it was a good rule because then you see people wearing jerseys and it gets a little ridiculous at this point in time when you get older. I unwilling, uh, unknowingly broke that rule. I bought the jerseys of Ryan Matthews of the Chargers at the time, okay. a rookie for the Chargers running back, uh-huh. and Matthew Stafford, quarterback of the Lions. I wore those jerseys on back-to-back days, I believe, of the 2010 season. Maybe 2009. I'm not sure. You're feeling the jersey that Feel, week. Hey, You're into it. I just got these things. This yeah. is at a cool fantasy Pull convention. Them out of package, Let's go. Yeah, they're, they're, put them on. They're crisp. They're also nice bargains as well. So okay. hopefully they deal. were real and not from some third world country. Anyway, okay. I put on the Stafford jersey. I'm doing it. I'm wearing it while I'm doing my radio show. He gets hurt. No. Next night, the Chargers play the second of the two Monday night games. They just started that up. I'm wearing my Mariah Matthews jersey. Had him on multiple fantasy teams. Uh-huh. He gets hurt. No. I realize after You're the fact, I'm a total jinx. And oh, if you ask my no. friends, like I don't wear Mets name jerseys anymore. Yeah. Uh, there was a time where I would write Facebook statuses, and that would jinx things. Uh, I wore I, just it was there was just this bad run of bad luck. And I did notice after the fact when I bought those jerseys, I looked up the ages. I said, "Well, I've got him by three years, and I've got him by two years." So you broke your rule. Broke my rule. And you probably broke Broke them. two players yeah. and have not bought a football jersey since then. That's at least six years ago. Okay, well, at least you're sticking to your rule. And he's not buying hopefully, Giants jersey, so that's no, good. Yeah, hopefully the Jinx and the Giants are safe. Uh, as a Mets Stay fan, away from the Redskins, please. We are sa- uh, no problem. Well, you, no, that's buy, easy. you could buy a Kirk Cousins jersey. That's, I'm okay with that. They'll no, be available for what? More? Five more weeks? How about an RG3 jersey? Those are on sale. I'll get the uh, Eagles RG3 jersey when that comes out, maybe, I guess. All right, Matt Cam, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. That was awesome to have you. Uh, If you want to check us out, check us out on Twitter at Dats Podcast or Dats What She Said on iTunes or YouTube. Uh, That's all we got for this week. We got Ray Lucas next week, so make sure you stay tuned. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Abiel. And let's go get a snack.